Welcome to another episode of the AI Art Collection Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Mongi. AI-generated artwork is an emergent art movement. Artists are harnessing the power of AI to create amazing, abstract, modern artwork. In this podcast, we're going to explore the new movement, interview amazing artists from various industries, and explore the tools they're using. Listen in to learn best practices, new tools, and industry news. Welcome to the show, Adam. If you don't mind quickly introducing yourself, uh, let our listeners know where in the world you are and perhaps what your profession is. I am living in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I'm working in the public arts sector right now. I do a lot of assisting for other artists doing large sculptures and I paint large scale murals myself. We'll start with the big question. Is AI art art? Are you the artist if AI art is art? Personally, I believe artists need to embrace this technology as it's just another tool to to help them create their work. Once you know the creative language, you can instruct the AI to generate amazing pieces of artwork. For example, knowing what makes good composition, artistic styles, you know, techniques and color theory right down to specific camera settings such as focal length, aperture, etc. What's your thoughts on this? With you, I think that AI art is definitely art. And I think that if you created it using an AI art generation tool, then you're the artist. Maybe there's some exceptions to that uh, when you get kind of accidental stuff, but I don't know. I mean, artists for years have been trying to find out how to have less control of their own work and generate accidental aesthetics i mean bob ross is famous for talking about his happy accidents you know and i think with artificial intelligence you're going to get a lot of those i guess it basically boils down to if if this stuff didn't exist before you prompted it to exist then i think you are the creator i i don't really see any other way around it it didn't come into existence on its own came into existence because you created it. When did you start using AI tools in your work? What led to your interest in this technology? And what are your preferred platforms to use to get the best result? For I haven't really integrated AI into my main output of work, the stuff that I, I paint on walls and my canvases, because I, I just discovered it maybe a, a year ago. Maybe two years ago, I kind of stumbled across Wombo Dream and just had my mind blown at how quickly it could generate images from whatever ideas you had and how strange the images were. Uh, I was paying attention to the, the Google Dream stuff. I can't remember exactly what it was called. Dream Machine, Machine Dream, something like that. Whenever it first came out and that stuff really caught my attention it was strange. It was a new aesthetic and machines were creating it. And it really piqued my curiosity. As far as tools I use now, I'm, I'm using Midjourney like a ton of other people, uh, but I'm really exploring them all. I spent a lot of time with Stable Diffusion in that beta. And now I'm running a, a collab, a Hugging Face, Stable Diffusion notebook, and trying to figure out how to get a grip on that and how to work with all of my own configurations and get a little closer to the code itself. 
But as far as integrating into my main body of work, I'm I'm still working that through. I'm I'm trying to wrap my head around what's even worth pursuing as a physical artist anymore. I'm not sure that getting very good at drawing is even worth your time anymore if you can just generate amazing images by understanding a vocabulary of art history and aesthetic forms. Uh, I don't know. This this stuff has kind of changed my entire approach to art, and um, I haven't fully baked it in as to how it's going to affect it. There's really impressive artwork on your website, adamstevenson.art, paintings, drawings to huge, beautiful murals. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background in art? Sure. I first, I moved to Atlanta from a small city in Alabama. And, you know, I guess the coolest art I saw back then was tattoos. So I was kind of doodling tattoos in my notebook uh, in high school. And I moved to Atlanta and I saw graffiti pretty much everywhere. And it really tapped into this rebellious spirit I had as a kid from the 90s who had something to say and wanted to be stylish as I said it. So I fully dove into that world of graffiti as soon as I moved here and went down that road for quite a long time and learned a lot about studying and staying diligent about practicing the same thing over and over and over again until you can get very good at it, very fast with it, keep things clean and just push your style as far as possible. Um, time went on. I, you know, you got to grow up from graffiti at some point, at least I think so. Maybe other people disagree. And I started to try to learn a little bit about painting on canvases. I'd never used a brush until maybe I was 28 years old, something like that. So I was stumbling my way through using a paintbrush and eventually I caught the attention of a few gallery owners and they had me in some shows. I've done some shows myself. Uh, I've also done a lot of photography. I've had photography exhibitions as well, which all this stuff comes into play when you're doing AI art because you learn a lot of terminology that can get you a lot of control of your images. Uh, it's, it's kind of cool to see how my exploration down many avenues is kind of coming back to the center point with this new technology. It's, it's very exciting to me. Wow, that's that's many different types. I, I didn't even know uh, about the photography there. Um, there. There's so many ways that people can be creative. Uh, and I think a lot of creatives actually uh, experiment and, you know, try out different mediums quite a lot. So I think that's actually quite common. But it's very interesting the way y you've said, um, like learning all these different ways of creating original artwork, I guess, um, has actually helped you at this stage when AI technology has advanced to the extent where you can use photography uh, terms in there or you can use painting terms or art history terms. So I've, I find that really fascinating. You work with so many mediums. Uh, which is your favorite, first of all? And does AI-generated artwork give the same satisfaction as it's purely in digital form and not something that you can physically touch in the real world like a canvas or a paper? That's hard to say. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know what my favorite medium is. I, I think I like painting. When I'm painting, 
pretty much it feels like in those moments, all of my problems disappear. Like all my stress, all my worries for those hours that I'm painting are kind of gone. You know, you're, you're faced with your own problems that are right there in front of you with the painting itself. And something about that is, is very cool. Whether, whether or not it gives me the same satisfaction, AI, does AI give me the same satisfaction? I'm, I'm not sure. I think it doesn't. Uh, I think it gives me more inspiration because you can explore ideas so much faster uh, but it just, in its current state, I, I don't know, like sometimes it, it makes such good images. It kind of scares me. You know, I think a lot of artists are feeling the same way. Like, wow. Okay. Did I just waste 20 years of my life learning how to paint when I could have just waited? Uh, I don't know, but no, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I'll ever give up painting, even if AI art really somehow finds its way into the physical world. There's just something very human about that expression that is primal and it taps into whatever this creative drive is that humanity has. I, I think working in physical media is always going to have that appeal over working in digital media. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think uh, people find painting quite relaxing. It's, it's quite therapeutic, actually. Um, and on the other side, you have um, AI art and the, the tools that we're using. I think a lot of people really enjoy making new prompts and experimenting. And I think some people find it quite addicting in ways. Uh, it, I guess it is addictive when you uh, put in a prompt and you can see the image during the percentage going up and the image getting clearer and just defining itself uh, and and seeing what you come up with uh, in in some ways not so much a, a slot machine but um, you know there there is that reward there over the years young artists sometimes experience adversity when growing up or when trying to start a career in the creative world have you experienced anything similar and do you think the blend of technology and how being creative can lead to successful careers these days, such as in games development, animation, VFX, and film production, right through to people actually making small fortunes recently with NFTs. Is society changing its opinion of the artist? When I was a kid, I grew up in a conservative Christian town in Alabama. I mean, I'm sure that people kind of have an idea of what I'm talking about. They're stereotypes of this stuff, and they're kind of accurate. So being a weird artist kid who was kind of asking questions about everything, uh, I mean, to me, that's really what an artist is, is someone who just questions everything around them and tries to get at the core of it. It's not just about aesthetic exploration. It's about what is this? There's something about the artist that wants to understand, like, how did it get created? What is this form? Even if that's societal forms, things like that. Uh, maybe that's a little too abstract. I don't know. But yeah, I faced adversity then. And uh, I actually failed art when I was in high school uh, because I didn't agree with a lot of the assignments the teacher was doing. And maybe I was wrong. I was a kid, you know, but at least at the time I felt justified. Um, she was giving us assignments that pretty much had nothing to do with self-expression. And to me, I thought that art should almost exclusively be about self-expression. Uh, that's where the best art came from, at least in my opinion at the time. 
Uh, and I still kind of feel that way on a lot of levels. So yeah, I didn't do well. <laughs> I just chose to do my own thing regardless of whatever the assignment was. And, uh, I guess she was, she had to give me an F because I just wasn't doing the assignment as, as expected. But, you know, I persevered. Now people are paying me lots of money to make art. I'm not always getting paid to make art, but when I'm getting paid, I'm getting paid pretty well. Uh, as far as NFTs and the digital space and production art and video game art, yeah, I think that's amazing. I think the bigger the art industry is, the better the world is. There's just a lot of things you can do as a human to make money and creating something for money is probably one of the best things we can do it's it's not as destructive as many other jobs and i think at the very least you're you're causing less harm to the planet but more so you're inspiring other people to create more to me that's that's what we are that's our goal as humanity we're, we're creators you know that's the thing that separates us from the other animals maybe it says like a beaver or something they, they create dams but you know, they got one vision for one thing, but hey, cheers to them. Uh, as far as NFTs go, you know, a lot of people really talk trash on NFTs, but I think any other avenue that gives an artist a chance to survive and really get a payday is fantastic. Uh, you know, most artists don't really have a chance to make it to big numbers financially. Uh, the best a lot of us can hope for is kind of a good living, you know, maybe six figures if you're working in the video game industry, something like that, or the film industry. But millions of dollars, you know, that's kind of reserved for actors and musicians and things of that. And it's still rare amongst those people too. But Hey, at least there's another option for us out there. There's there's hope for us to find another way to get past this starving artist stereotype that I think a lot of people do still hold on to it. But, you know, it's just expensive to be an artist. Even if you're making decent money, if you're trying to explore new concepts, it costs money to do that. So a lot of your disposable income is still spent on making art. So you know, even if you're making 50, 60, 70,000, yeah, you're not saving as much as other people because you're spending it on new ideas and new materials and things of that nature. I don't know. It's an interesting, interesting world that we're moving into, and I'm, I'm very excited about it. I'm glad that artists can make a living now. It is uh, a really exciting time, actually. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware, in Ireland, the government has they're, they're currently running a trial for a basic income for artists. Uh, and I think 2,000 artists were selected over maybe, I think it was six or 8,000 applicants that went in. But essentially, um, they're going to be giving uh, th these artists a living wage for, I think, two years or maybe maybe three years, actually. But it just means that they're, they're getting a, paid a salary from the government to be artists to you know express their thoughts and create artwork it's uh it's really interesting okay so we're going to step back from the interview there with adam and we're going to have a look at today's news um there's two two articles that i wanted to mention this week uh, one is livia theodora um 
They've created an excellent reference for AI artists on their website. The website is updated regularly um, with everything you need to get started with Midjourney, right through to experts looking to hone in their prompting skills. Uh, it's a great repository for the official links, community guides, prompt crafting, post-processing and random idea generators. So there's lots of, lots of tools and links there to have a look at. Some really good links to check out. You can find Livia's Mid-Journey References website by going to link.aiartcollection.com slash mid-journey references. Keep up the good work, Livia. Another link that I wanted to um, share with you guys this week is from Scott Lighthizer. I discovered a very interesting animated piece from Scott over on his Twitter uh, profile. He uses a combination of stable diffusion and Epsent to generate a really impressive looking video of characters reading a poem about the weather, but it's, it, you, you gotta check it out. Um, I think the fact that they talk about being together in what sounds like a threatening way is quite uh, chilling actually, uh, especially with the last character's combination of image and voice. It's already amassed about 250,000 views uh, at this stage of recording. Uh, you can view this tweet by going to link.aiartcollection.com slash Scott Lighthizer. That's S-C-O-T-T-L-I-G-H-T-H-I-S-E-R. Now, let's go back to the interview with Adam. Do you think artists can get the same meaning behind a piece of digital artwork using AI that they can achieve with creating something physical? What I mean is um, an artist plans and creates a mural or a canvas painting, for example, that has sentimental value to them. Can, and can we as artists create the same feelings with AI? I think that really cuts to the core of the argument against AI art being art. Um, a lot of people are probably arguing on that position. Their perception of art and their definition of art probably means the expression of some sort of human experience. And on some levels, I agree with that. And in its current form, I don't think that AI really can get to that level of sentimentality and human expression, but it's heading that direction. And I do think eventually we will be able to tell more personal stories with it because I see it as just another medium. It's just kind of crude and primitive in its current form, despite having very beautiful visual results. Um, we just don't have complete control of everything. It's a little too random sometimes and we just don't have that that level of expression yet uh, i also think that some of the sentimentality comes from sharing a human experience that someone particularly has experienced or you can tell a story on behalf of someone else and that experience touches the core in the heart of people and and that's where the sentimentality comes from uh, on that level, I, I do think that we'll be able to eventually. Maybe it's not there yet, but we'll be able to eventually. I think these AI art tools, we're, we're just at the very beginning of them. So who knows what they'll become? The potential is there for it to completely revolutionize artistic expression. Um, it just hasn't quite started happening yet. We've, we've just got our hands on this stuff.
you can noticeably see decorative floral design patterns in your work. How were you able to achieve similar designs within AI prompts? Was it just words alone or have you used yours or perhaps other people's photographs or work as reference? The image to image with the floral patterns, but it seems to break down the <clears throat> the geometry of everything a little too much. Uh, and it doesn't quite understand what I'm trying to tell it to do. Though I haven't tried the new Stable Diffusion 1.5 image to image capabilities yet. That might have a little different um, approach to image to image translation but yeah it's just words alone i kind of just i went to a dictionary i knew a bunch of words just from doing that stuff in my physical work uh, but i went to a dictionary went to glossary of design terms and started just grabbing words that describe very specific patterns very specific ornament types um, in the classical realm of design uh, I, i'm just drawn to that stuff because I've got experience working with it and I like to deconstruct it manually. So I'm building a bunch of ornaments in order to do that with my physical work. So I, I don't know exactly how I'll do that yet. I'll probably project it and then deconstruct it through erasing, overpainting and reprojection and things like that. I, I do like to draw those ornaments manually, but being able to generate hundreds of them so quickly now is kind of a game changer. And I really can't wait to get in the studio and, and work with that. But yeah, generally it's it's just words, you know, do do research, get out there, look up names of specific elements, specific forms, specific curves, specific flowers, every element that you want in the ornament listed out in the prompt. Uh, for me, it's worked. It doesn't come through in every single result, but it comes through pretty consistently. Skulls feature a lot in your AI artwork. Uh, first of all, can you tell me the reasons behind this and also how have you managed to get such good-looking, detailed skulls in these images? Skulls, because they represent a contrast to the, the more floral forms. I guess the flowers represent life, and the skulls represent death, and the temporary nature of, of life in another way than flowers do. Flowers also represent the exact same thing. Temporary nature, something beautiful for just a moment. The skull represents the other side of that. Um, like if you ever read any poetry by Charles Bukowski or something like that, like a lot of the stuff that makes his poetry great is that he's got such elegant words, but in the same lines, he'll have horrible words like cutting and penetration and just words that chop down the, the beautiful forms and, that's what I do with my physical work. And I'm trying to find ways to do that with my digital work as well. It's like you take something beautiful, but you have to show the reality of life. And the reality of life is that nothing can stay that way forever. Um, as far as technically, how do I get the skulls so detailed? You know, I'm just using the same tricks as everybody else's. The rendered in octane and 4K, 8K images, highly detailed. Uh, but I think probably... Stable Diffusion has a great uh, library of skulls to reference from. So some of those images come through clearly just because it has a great reference material to build new images from. As an artist, would you do any post work to your generated images? Or do you take what the AI has created and use it as a reference to create new work, uh, be it digital format or perhaps physical form? 
building a, a library of reference images or stuff to integrate into my my digital and physical work. Um, I, I like to have my own hand visible in my work. So a lot of my AI images that are raw generations, I wouldn't necessarily put my signature on them and be like, this is it. This is the final work. But I, I don't think that it's wrong when people do that. I, I think it's great. I mean, we've seen some gorgeous images come out of there and those images didn't exist before. So I, I don't know. I, I think that's fine. And maybe I'll, I'll do that eventually. I might have to create like a, an alter ego or something like that to just do pure AI generated work. I think that'd be a lot of fun and liberate me from all the boundaries I place on my own physical work and digital work that I present as final artwork. So, you know, probably at some point in the future, just because it's so fun to generate so much. And I want a place to share some of these references without being like, this is my work. Uh, you know, as an artist, you kind of have to be careful with what you present. You got to keep it consistent with your, your brand and your theme and your, your vision. So who knows? I think in the future, yeah, I'm, I'm probably very soon going to make a, an alternate account on Instagram and Facebook just to share my raw outputs from AI. Cause I think that stuff's fun. Okay. So here's one of my favorite questions of the show. How do you see this technology developing over time? And where do you see AI art tools specifically being used in the future? Pretty big question. Uh, I think in the, the near future, we're going to see probably text to 3D where it turns into meshes and you can manipulate the whole scene of objects and it probably creates light objects and everything that you would have in something like uh, Blender that you can use and manipulate everything. And, and this probably will happen with 2D art as well, where the, the objects in the image are isolated and you can change them. Perhaps each one of those has a slider eventually. That, that's probably a few years down the line. I'm not sure. This stuff is progressing faster than I expected. Um, but even further down the line, you, you're. I've been listening to a lot of interviews on Lex Friedman. I don't know if you pay attention to the Lex Friedman podcast. It's great. I highly recommend it. He has great guests and they talk about the technical side of things, philosophical side of things. But anyways, there was a guy on there recently. can't remember exactly who it was, unfortunately, but he was talking about in the next century, what the technological advancements will be. And it's, uh, he sees it being the abil ability to manipulate physical matter the same way that we can manipulate digital information. Uh, and I, I do think that that's probably going to happen. If we can figure out how to shape things with sound waves, uh, you know, obviously I'm not a scientist, but that seems to be the way you can manipulate matter and shape it into certain things. Um, then we'll start to see text to reality at some point. Uh, assuming that we don't have to all go hide in the metaverse and live in a virtual world. I, I hope that's not the case. I hope the physical world still remains the place that we spend most of our time. But yeah, I think eventually we will be getting text to reality. Like, I don't know if we'll be able to generate food or anything like that. It may all be holographic at first. Uh, you know, you could change your windows on your wall or you can change the shape of your wall, things like that. Um, but that's pretty far out there. It may not happen in our lifetime, but assuming humanity makes it, that we'll be there. You know, this, this AI, this text to thing, 
is a beautiful technology and it's the closest thing to magic that I can imagine. It's it's essentially a magic spell, right? You're like, bring this idea to reality. And then a few seconds later, there's some little sketch of it. It's just a 512 by 512 pixel image now, but that's now. Who, who knows what it'll be in 100, 200 years. But it, the the prospect excites me. And I think this is the most exciting technology that has popped up kind of out of nowhere for me it's it's really reinvigorated my vision for the future and has me thinking about what could happen in a, in a brand new way what advice can you give to the listeners when it comes to getting the best results from ai tools any any specific prompts or anything that you can uh, help them achieve better results sometimes that depends on what engine you're using like mid-journey and stable diffusion kind of require different prompting approaches. Uh, but with both, I've gotten very good results by combining words that don't make that much sense. Um, things like, I, I have a, a pretty good abstract series going on, and the the meat of the prompt is a portrait of origami architecture, right? Like, nobody takes portraits of architecture and few people make architecture out of origami. So it gives you results that you don't see very often. Uh, maybe someone has stumbled upon that combination of words. And I, I think people will start to get more creative results if they start to break, just, just leave the logic of the prompt behind. Um, start to combine words that would never be combined. Um, and then you, you'll see things that you can't actually think of. Uh, a lot of the beauty of the technology is that you imagine something and you can kind of get close to it by saying it, but it has a lot of potential to show us things that we can't imagine at all. And I think I'd like to see more people experimenting with combinations of bizarre words or, or ideas that not everybody else is doing. Uh, and like I said, it, for now, it works with both mid-journey and stable diffusion. So I, su I suggest experimenting, maybe just cutting some words out of a book, you know, old school poetry style, how they would just take a bunch of words and try to make something out of these random words, right? But instead of trying to make it make logical sense, do the opposite, try to make it make no sense whatsoever and see what happens. Uh, you probably will get bad stuff out of it, but who knows? You might get something great and no one's going to stumble across those prompts if it's completely random like that. That's some really interesting advice. Um, I don't, I don't, I think people, people are probably playing a bit safe actually in general with, with prompts and they're trying to get the best results and they're, they're picking words that do combine to make the most logical sense. But your approach is fascinating. Actually, uh, it's something that I'm going to try right away. Um, with mid journey and stable diffusion. Um, so that's really good advice. Thank you for that. Where can our listeners find your work online? For now, I'm most active on Instagram and I'm at tilt and fade T I L T A N D F A D E. Uh, I share a lot of work in my stories. That's kind of where I share my, my day to day stuff, my hard posts or my feed. I kind of only show the big projects, uh, or breakthroughs or just you know, really solid ideas and event promotion. But if you follow my stories on Instagram, you'll see me making work almost every day or at least a few times a week. So, yeah. 
That's brilliant, Adam. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's podcast. Again, you can find Adam's work on adamstevenson.art and on his Instagram, as he mentioned just now, Tilt and Fade. So definitely check out his weekly or even daily posts and stories. If you wanted to find out more about us at AI Art Collection, you can go to the website AIArtCollection.com. There is a directory there where you can actually submit your own AI artwork. And if approved, our bots will actually tweet it out automatically as well. Uh, Don't forget to listen to the other episodes of the podcast if you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please do share it. And of course, you can check us out on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Until next week, embrace the technology and stay creative.